Hey, again, thank you again so much for joining us. That video was so awesome. Um, I loved uh, just the new technology that we could have, the potential mother device. And man, do I need a device like that. How many of you remember or found that your mother was so much like that? The suggestion on the boyfriend or girlfriend, or whether for you um, it's those helpful reminders. Um, I love it that Rachel, uh, for me, is an ever-helpful reminder, and to her children as well, that ever-helpful reminder to us all. And my gosh, mums, you are so awesome. Can I just thank you so much for all that you have done, especially in this moment. Many of you have taken on homeschooling your children. What a challenge it has been in this time, in this moment. And I just want to say thank you so, so much. You guys are amazing and so wonderful. And uh, today I was just preparing um, a message this week. And uh, it was just a really interesting week of what was about to happen. And I'll get more into that in a moment. But uh, yeah, one of my favorite things about mums is uh, their words of encouragement and comfort. The words of a mother are just so incredibly powerful. They see things in us that we never see, right? They push us on to things that we never thought were possible. They're our biggest cheerleaders, and they help us grow so, so much. The words of a mother are incredibly, incredibly powerful to us. See, God is not only seen as a father, but he's also a mother. Um, so often, we have come with the imagery of just the father of God, but also there is the mother heart of God. In Genesis, it talks about, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God is not gender. He is spiritual, and he embodies the best characteristics of both male and female. But so often what we've done in the church is we've genderized who God is and made him just male only, this father kind of type figure. And so often we've built this theology, and especially we see it in other church movements where the motherhood, Mother Mary, has been lifted up to a deity almost type sense, because we yearn for the mother sense of God. We look at it also in secularism or in nature, the, the God, the God of the world, God of nature is a female. And so, because we have not found the motherhood within the God figure, we have decided to create other types of theology to help us understand that the God is father, mother. He is the embodiment of male and female. And so today, especially in this moment, I really felt in my heart that God was pulling us into a sense of what the motherhood of God is. That again, Easter happened for such a time as this. Mother's Day has fallen in such a time as this because we need to be reminded of the motherhood of God. There's this wonderful passage in Isaiah 66, 12 to 13, it says, for this is what the Lord says. I will extend peace to her, and he's referring to Jerusalem, like a river, and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried out on her arm and dangled on her knees. That beautiful imagery of God carrying Jerusalem like a child. 
And this word's here. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. And you will be comforted, Jerusalem. As a mother comforts, so I will comfort. Passages throughout Scripture pull us into the motherhood of God. In fact, our salvation is very feminine. We are born into salvation. We are born into Christianity. We are born again. Again, that concept that we miss out because we have built this idea of a fatherhood. And so we've tried to search for the mothering in other things in our lives. But God wants to emphasize again that the words of the motherhood, the characteristics, the compassion, when God first gave his name to Moses. Now, in Jewish tradition, names are incredibly important. We've talked about this before. It shapes and defines you. God, when he describes his name Yahweh to his people, it leads with the first name, compassion. God's identity name is an emotion and it is compassion. He leads with a motherhood for his people that he cares so deeply. Jesus even refers to it in Luke 13 when he's saddened by the way the religious orders of the day that God just yearned to be like a mother hen that would pull the children or the younglings together under the wings. Over and over again, God's heart compassion is to comfort, to draw near with the words that he speaks. But we've lost those words, I feel like. And more than oft, I've seen in the church, we have so much anger, so much division. Can you imagine if God, as a mother, came down and spoke to all the churches together? I have children, I have three of them, and trying to get them to get along, even this morning, is something of a difficulty. Can you imagine, though, that seeing all the fighting that happens, that the mother of God would come down, the characteristics of a mother of God would come and say, would you stop fighting? Would you come together and play nicely together? Would you let the affections and comfort of the, my voice of a mother would come and speak to you in this moment? Because more than ever, I need the comfort of a mother, of a mothering God. But I feel like we've lost those words in that moment. I want to just reflect on a story here this morning. I'm not going to preach long today. But I just want to reflect on a story that's really stuck out to me this week. I loved it so much. And I just want to share it. It's a story of Annetta. Annetta, a girl who wrote, one day in her diary, my life is over. She wrote and penned with emotions, crying in the car, struggling to breathe, grasping for air, alone, reflecting on what had happened in her life and why. And she felt like she'd let everyone down. Devastated, she sat there. I have ruined everyone's life. And as she penned, my life is over. Let's go back. What has happened to Annetta in that moment? Annetta had grown up in a Christian family, conservative values, and this was some time ago, uh, 1950s and 60s. There were no dancing or cinemas. Those were of the devil back then. Um, so there was a kind of a religious spirit to her family, very conservative. And her parents had loved her, raised her, well, 
and they always told her growing up, you know, save yourself uh, for marriage. Uh, don't kiss any boys until you're married. And she would chuckle as a teenager because, well, she had already. And uh, she knew that they meant well, and she knew that they loved them, and she had a close relationship with God. But as teenager years go on, uh, she had some boyfriends, and she started to just go a couple of steps too far. Um, we can talk about all the different lines and things like that. But she had started to dabble in that. And it was 17 years old. She had come uh, to ready to get to go to Bible college. It was her high school senior year. And she was looking forward uh, to this moment. And she wanted to go to her prom. Like many of you who are listening, maybe who can't go to the prom, she wanted to go to her prom. And uh, in that moment, her parents said, well, you can go to the prom, but only if you don't go to the dance. So she said, that's fine, I don't want to go to the dance. So she went to the prom at a celebration. When the dancing happened, she left. And they went to go parking, I guess is the phrase she used. I don't know if you know what that word parking means. Basically, they went to go make out in a car park area. And that night, they just went a step too far. They went all the way this time. And uh, the next morning, they gathered together. They prayed and asked for forgiveness. And, uh, you know, they truly were, like, uh, you know, sorry for what had happened. And so they went upon their days, and uh, they were looking forward to moving. Uh, the pastor, her father, had a new job opportunity up in Lancaster, PA. So they drove up to there, this new church, this new journey. And she was going off to Bible college. She was so excited. A couple of months passed by, and she started feeling just really, just not well in her body. She was like, what is going on? And she felt sick all the time, and she was like, I don't understand what's going on. And so she goes to... Um, um, she goes to the doctors to get checked out with her mother. Father's in the car, and they go into the office, and the, the, the doctor does all the um, checking over, checks her body, and begins to push on her abdominal areas. And she, he looks at her and says, you're pregnant. And those words echoed through Annette's mind. How can I be pregnant? What on earth has happened? This can't be happening to me. What am I going to do? Mother in shock in that moment as well. Tears pouring down her face, not understanding her world had been changed in a moment. She goes to the car, tears still crying. Father asks, what's going on? They don't talk in the car and they drive. They had to go to another party, um, a senior prom friend party. And so she hung out at the uh, party for one, as the day went on, the evening came, and uh, she just ran to the car. She couldn't take it anymore, and we join her in that moment where she is crying because she feels so alone, penning in her diary, my life is over. I wish it would end. Have you ever felt that way before, where things feel hopeless, where you feel like there's no way out, where you feel like you're in a pit and you're going deeper and deeper? Thankfully, she has a loving father, an earthly loving father and a heavenly loving father. And so in that moment, they had a really good relationship, her father and her. And he came into the car and he said, why are you crying? And he told her what had happened. He, she told him what had happened. They were pregnant. And he just held her and cried with her. Just cried in that moment. What an amazing father in that moment. No words, just cuddling holding in that moment. And so the next day they prayed together as what happened. Because any moment like this that happens, a woman has four decisions to make. 
first one being she could marry uh, the guy from Tennessee, was where they're from, and uh, she just didn't feel it was right. Um, they weren't in love. It was a moment, and so she knew she just couldn't marry him, which I think is really good. Um, we shouldn't just marry because of pregnancies and things like that. If there is no love, that is wisdom right there. And so I'm glad the parents enforced that as well. They said, that that's completely fine. Whatever you do, we agree. And abortion just was out of the question for her. She had written a paper before about the meaning of life and the importance of how children are such a value. And so they were left with other ones. There was the be a single parent and work this out or the adoption process. And so they prayed. And they really felt impressed on her heart to give the child up for adoption. Um, she, felt, she didn't hear audible words of God, but she heard and felt a strong impression. This is what you must do. You must give this child up for adoption. And so as she journeyed on a couple of months along, she began to fall in love with this child that was growing inside of her. This mothering, nurture nature was growing inside of her. And more and more each day as she felt the baby kick, she felt more and more in love. She knew this moment was coming where she would have to give up this child. And it filled her with just terrible emotions. She was wrecked inside of her, constantly going backwards and forwards and crying out to God, God, is this really what you want? Is this really what you want? And she was listening to um, a radio station and she can't remember what the preacher was speaking about, but this one line captivated her. And I think this is a really important line for all of us, no matter what stage of life we are in. And he said this, never doubt in the dark what God has told you in the light. Never doubt in the dark what God has told you in the light. And when those words were spoken over Annetta, she felt this peace. And God say to her, she felt in her heart, again, she never heard audible voices, but felt impressed on her heart that she would have to take hold of this because her emotions are going to cause her to get darker. These moments are going to get darker, God told her. These moments are going to get darker. Your emotions are going to get harder and harder. You must hold on to the promise that I told you in the light. So January 5th, 1975 rolls around and she gives birth to a beautiful baby girl. She hears the cries of the baby, but it is quickly whisked away. There is no plan. Parenthood kind of places that talk about the psychology of what is needed in these moments. And so the baby is whisked away. She never sees the child, never holds the child. Can you imagine that? For you mothers right now, that is a wrecking response. You know what that means. And for her, that was the darkest day of her life, darkest day, because she had lost something that she loved. A part of her had died as this child went on her way. So Annetta carried on with her life. She ended up going to college. Um, she married many years later, and she had four wonderful children of her own, two girls and twin boys, which she says almost did her over. And they're 29, probably 32 now. And uh, she's doing well. And um, she would just never forgot the baby girl every single day of her life. She would always think, my prayer, I hope that she is good. Because she wanted for her child to be in a Christian home. Her request was it would be in a Christian home. Because at least then, one day they would see each other's faces in heaven together. 
they would see each other's faces, which is a, a sad but really cool concept. That if I can't see her on earth, at least one day, put her in a Christian home, and one day we will see each other again in heaven. But over the years went by, she wondered, how is this girl doing? Is she being loved? Is she being taken care of? More and more her heart ached to give those words of a mother's love over her, to see if she was okay. And so she reached out to the agency and said, is there any way that I could leave my address details? Because we're not allowed to contact her in any way, such a form. Can I leave any of the details with her so that um, if she ever chose to reach out, that she could come and reach me? And so the agency, sure, you can do that. In fact, you can even leave letters for her. And so she was so overjoyed by that. She left all her details, and she began to write letters, letters of how much she loved. In this binder, she kept putting letters, letters and letters of just telling about the love that she had for this child, how sorry she was, and just explaining that she was always loved. Many years passed by, and 18, a child can seek out for their own will, their own child. And 18 turned around, 19, 20, 21, and no response. And she reached out to the agency as this child reached out, and they said no. And so they asked, would you reach out to the child? Again, if you would do that, obviously you can't tell anything about me, but would you reach out and say there are some letters? Some letters explaining about this, uh, this mother that cares for you. And so time passes by, and... Uh, she receives a letter from the daughter, blown away. Can you imagine that moment? Shock and horror just filled her. She fell to the ground, just emotions raging in that moment. This letter of a girl that she had never known saw was penning her. And it wasn't the agency telling her about her. It wasn't just some other person telling her. These were direct words from a daughter, her daughter that she had lost for so many years. And so can you imagine what she would have done with that letter? Would she have just read it once and thrown it away? No, she took hold of that letter, read it every single day over and over and over again, letting those words sink in that she was okay, that she was married. She had been brought up in a Mennonite, conservative uh, kind of family, and so she loved God. And so she was overjoyed by that the request of the daughter, she began to uh, have the letters checked out as well, 18 of the years, and began to read the letters. And so over a period of time, uh, they, they deemed it best just to take it slow um, because it's a really traumatic thing. And so some time passed by where they would dialogue from letter to letter and explaining what had happened, and a friendship began to grow, so much so that they began to uh, arrange a time to meet together. And you bet one thing, this mother went loaded with gifts. Annetta went loaded with gifts to meet her daughter that she had never seen before. Stomach churning in that moment, what is it going to be like? Will she accept me? Will she reject me? What will happen in this moment? But as they met together, they embraced. They exchanged. And love was shone in that moment. She was whole again. And actually, she found out that she was a mother of six grandkids. This woman and the father, they loved each other much, and they had had six, grand, uh, six children of their own. And so this wonderful moment of just a restoration had happened. 
But I feel like that this story is so true for us. See, sin has separated us from the love of God. We don't know always the words of a God that loves and cares for us. That the mothering heart of God longs to pour over us truth. We have this unknown God. I love this in Acts 17. I'm reminded of the story in Scripture. Paul and Silas, many years on from when Isaiah penned about the comforting mother, we see Jesus come and embody and show the mothering heart of God, the father and the mother, revealing the father, revealing the mother heart of God. And this movement has come forth as we've celebrated Easter, that the death and resurrection, that we have a restoration now between our Father, our God who loves us. I love that concept. And so Paul is going around spreading this new gospel. He comes to Athens. comes to this moment where it's Greek culture, lots of different gods being celebrated in this space. Um, he sees all the Greek, Roman gods. Because in that culture, it's pantheotic. It was like, just come bring your God, pay your taxes, and, and worship your God. And so much so, they had this uh, place for the unknown God because they didn't ever want to angry any God. And so they had this space for the unknown God. And Paul sees in this area of philosophers, thought thinkers, and he says these words to them. People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. I see that you've got an idea of spirituality. I see that you've got this thing about you that you audialize by the doings to appease your gods. I see that religious work in you. For I've walked around and looked carefully at the objects of worship, and I've even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. He begins to unravel of who this God is. The God who made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all nations that we would inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times, and get this, history and boundaries of the lands, God did this so they would seek him out, to want to find him, and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. He is not far from any one of us. We have love letters out there for us. We have these things for us, these words that God has penned for us, these lost messages. We've been separated from the motherhood of God through our own sins where we have missed the mark. And sin is missing the mark. Sin is missing the mark. And through you, maybe who don't know Jesus, there are letters that are being penned to you. There is an unknown God that you don't know that through our the sin that was brought into the world through Adam and Eve's own choice to do things their own way. Through that mark, we were separated from birth. And we have not known the mother and father nature of God. We have missed out on that. 
And so like the story of Aneta, there are these letters that are awaiting for us of how much he loves us, how much he adores us. And there's this wonderful passage that I love that draws us to Zephaniah 3.17 that says this, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. It's one of my favorite passages. That right now, there are songs being sung over you. There is many thoughts, as the psalmist said in 139, as vast and as many as the grains of the sand, so your thoughts are for me. There is a God that is constantly thinking about you, that his scripture alone is a letter of love, of brokenness, of how we've missed the mark and tried to make it ourselves. but a story of a God that loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son, his only son, that would die for us, that would come and restore us as we repent and turn away from our ways where we've missed the marks and come back to Him. This is the God that we serve, that He has these love letters to read, the letters that gives us joy. Have you ever read those messages that give you joy? For you, Christian, who maybe God has become unknown, maybe you've seeked out the fatherhood of God, and maybe your fatherhood has distorted that viewpoint of a religiousness. Now, don't get me wrong. Father, heart, we believe in this church. But as well, I just want to empower the motherhood of God as well. Because he is both. He is compassionate. He yearns to encourage you like the mothers do. The mothers you know. And maybe you don't know a mother who is encouraging. Maybe uh, you've lost your mother. Maybe this is a painful time. The abuse that you suffered from a broken mother. Maybe right now there is trauma between you and your mother. Can I tell you that God is not just male? And you can message me over this. There's, I haven't got time to go into this. But so often we genderize God and we miss the mark of a mothering father. For you men, we find it hard to relate to a father. And so it might be helpful as well to know that he is mother as well. He is nurturing. He is caring. He is compassion. And so in that, he is encouragement. And so for you today, that is my message. Do you know God as a mother? Or have you felt separated like Annette's daughter? Where you feel like you've been taken away and you've lost the motherhood that wants to take hold of you, that wants to sing love songs over you, wants to encourage you, that God is that today for you in this situation. And more than ever as a church, we need the motherhood of God to come and unify and bring this church family together, to bring this world together in love. One other thing, just as I close here today. Mothers, your words of encouragement are so important. I'm reminded of John chapter 2, where Jesus does his first miracle, as I was reflecting last night. Um, on the third day, there was this wedding celebration in Cana. Jesus' mother was there, and uh, Jesus and his disciples have been invited. I encourage you to check out The Chosen um, on your, uh, there's an app you can download. You can either watch it for free or pay. It's uh, 
crowdfunded. And so it's an amazing, amazing series. A series one out, and episode five is on where uh, Jesus is coming together for the celebration. Honestly, they do an amazing, amazing job. And so, but I would encourage you to watch it because this moment is just so powerful. So the wedding has run out of wine, which is just a massive dishonor to the whole party. They party all week long. Wine is gone. And so Mary comes pleading to Jesus. And so we read this even in Scripture. And Jesus said to this, uh, said, uh, came to him and said, When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Jesus' response in this what would have been a private moment, Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not come. In other words, she knew the destiny that was spoken over Jesus when he was born. The miraculous things that had happened and 30 years had passed by. And this moment of stepping over into this new life, the calling that Jesus had had was about to happen. But Jesus was waiting on the Father to tell him when about the miracle signs. He had gathered together some disciples and starting this ministry. But the woman said to him, like, Jesus, I think this is your moment. Jesus replies, why do you involve me? It's not my hour to come. Love this about Mary. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. A mother pulled in with her authority to pull into the season of new wine. Because Jesus in that miracle, Jesus' first ever miracle, this was the transformation of Jesus' ministry. This was when everything started to go crazy where the disciples started to see their first miracle of who the Savior was. Do whatever he tells you. Mary brought the new wine, and so there was water turned to wine. I feel like for you in this season, mothers, you have been given the authority through this new kingdom that Jesus has brought about, where women were kicked to one side, were less than, where you have been lifted up and equality has come about. And I believe in this season, mothers, you need to speak over your children and bring in the new wine. Bring in the new wine. We need mothers in this church. We need the motherhood of God to bring about the new wine that we want to see. There has been a shift in the church like never before. We are in an exciting, unprecedented moment. But I believe that Mother's Day, we need to know the motherhood of God. We need to know this unknown God. We need to bring it about so that we can see this new wine come about to empower women, to bring the encouragement, the words. And so I just want to finish off today with a song. Um, It's called The Blessing. Many of you would have heard it, know about it. And so for you, um, we just want to sing this song of blessing over it. I love the words, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That the motherhood of God is wanting to sing this over you, mothers, today. And so even as we sing this song, if you feel comfortable um, uh, would love for you to join with us and have people lay hands on you, to just put their hand on you, to symbolize you. And as we sing this song over you, mothers, that we want to affirm you, we want to affirm your identity as a mother and that God would bless you, that the motherhood of God would just come through and just bless you today, that he would speak words of encouragement over you. Maybe you today don't know the motherhood of God. But there is a God that is singing a blessing over you. There is a God that wants you to turn to him, to come back to him, 
to yearn for him to know those loving words of affection. So we're just going to sing this song together.